are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Wednesday, November 24th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're listening today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. You can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well, as long as you say something positive. It's all for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts. If you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. All right, good morning, everyone. As always, thank you for tuning into today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start your day. Last night, the Chicago Blackhawks wrapped up their four game road trip in Calgary, taking on the Western Conference leading Flames. And on yesterday's pod, I talked about how this was going to be a really big opportunity for the Blackhawks to not only show the rest of the league that they're much better than their record that they've amassed so far this season, but I also think it was a huge opportunity to instill some confidence in themselves and prove to themselves that, hey boys, we can hang with some of the top teams in the league right now. The Hawks, they've beaten a lot of bottom feeders this year. I've talked about it a bunch recently. Ottawa. Seattle, Vancouver, uh, Arizona, a COVID-depleted Penguins team, and they really still don't have a signature win or anything on the season. So this game last night against Calgary, in my opinion, it was extremely meaningful to this Blackhawks team for a couple of different reasons, not to mention, obviously, trying to get that record back closer to 500 instead of looking so ugly as it does right now. And with all that being said, that's what made it so disappointing to me. The Blackhawks weren't able to come out of last night with a victory. And I mean, overall, I thought the team fought really hard, even though they did get outplayed, which I'll have plenty more on throughout the rest of the episode. But I did think they had one of their better efforts of the entire season so far, particularly in that second period and early on. In the third, those were definitely the Blackhawks' best stretches of the game. Still not um, probably the full 60-minute effort that they would have liked, but they were, this was definitely a step in the right direction, in my opinion. They had all four forward lines rolling. That fourth line was really good. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, who was back in net as expected, continued to play really well uh, and bounced back nicely after kind of giving up a pretty soft first goal to Dylan Dubé. So, it was um a more complete team effort last night against the Flames than we've seen most nights from the Blackhawks. But the only thing that matters right now, folks, is boosting up that number in the W column. And they didn't man- manage to do that last night, dropping uh, the game 5-2 to two to Calgary. It was really a 3-2 to two game with two empty netters at the end. It was a whole lot closer than the final score kind of indicates. But again, moral victories, they're just not going to cut it at this point for the Blackhawks. They're now 6-11-2 here through their opening 19 games after finishing up their road trip with a 2-2 record. But more importantly to me, this team 
yes, it was a better effort, but they still showed that there are clear flaws in their game and that they can be exposed by some of the better teams across the NHL. Like Edmonton on Saturday, Calgary last night was able to get a lot of shots off from the high danger areas. And the Blackhawks, they've been able to tighten things up a little bit and play more of a shutdown game against some of the weaker offenses that they've faced recently, but they haven't been able to do the same against quality opponents so far this year. And again, th- this was a very close game to s- from start to finish. I mean, it was tied 2-2 two to two going into the third period. The Blackhawks responded twice to tie things up. Um, and honestly, I just kind of had the feeling uh, that this was one the Blackhawks were going to be able to steal, like they did back in 2013. Thanks to the effort from the late, great Ray Emery, RIP Razor. Thank you for that win. We had no business deserving to extend uh, that point streak back in 2013. But even though it was close from start to finish, like I just said, without Flurry in that standing on his head throughout the way, the Blackhawks realistically could have lost this game 5 or 6-2 to two without any empty netters. Uh, and looking at some of the deeper statistics and analytics, not only did the Hawks get outshot 39-21 to 21 last night, but the shot attempts were 61 to 39 in favor of the Flames. The scoring chances were 34 to 18, and the high danger chances were 11 to 6. And if you go and look at the heat map according to Natural Stat Trick, which is a phenomenal website that I definitely recommend you should check out sometime. Natural Stat Trick has literally every deeper statistic that you want to know about uh, any game. But the heat map that Natural Stat Trick shows. Um, display that the Hawks, they gave up a, a pretty good amount of shots from in tight around the net. So while I do think, again, progress was made for the better effort, um, there, there are still ways to go for this defense before being one of the better units in the NHL. Against all the actual good teams in the league this season, the Blackhawks, I feel like they're never on the right side of the analytics. They're always getting outshot. They're always getting uh, outchanced. The high danger chances are never in their favor. This, I feel like it happens every single time. And it's just really frustrating because you know there has to be a sense of urgency right now. And you know that it's a it's a talented group back there, a better defensive group than we've had in, in quite some time. But other than Seth Jones, none of them really have been capable of of driving possession in the Blackhawks' favor this year. And really, everyone back there seems to kind of be struggling to move the puck out of the defensive zone. Jake McCabe and Eric Gustafson in particular right now. Last night was was not a good one for Jake McCabe. He just continues to be a a frustrating watch. I will give him credit for uh, blocking a bunch of shots and playing like a warrior out there, but he still just has not played like the shutdown D-man we thought we were getting when we signed him on for four years in the offseason. He had a couple of, of real bad plays with the puck last night. Um, I'll get into that a little bit later in the episode. And Gustafson also, I mean, this dude is just, to me, it's clear he's incapable of playing defense at the NHL level. I, every time he touches the puck in the defensive zone, I feel like it's an absolute war for him right now to get it out cleanly. It's Turnover after turnover, bad pass after bad pass. Not a whole lot of good right now for Gustafson 
on the defensive side of things, and it was actually shocking to me to see that Derrick King actually gave Gustafson some praise yesterday during an interview. I, I don't really know what he's seeing or what that was all about. King said um, that right now Gustafson's been playing so well that it's hard to take him out of the lineup. I'm not one to argue with Derrick King, but I just don't find that to be true. I honestly think that's kind of a crock of shit. Um, <laughs> Eric Gustafson, I've been watching this team every game this season. Eric Gustafson has not played well with the puck on his stick. Maybe in the offensive zone, he can move it around nicely every now and then, but it's an absolute battle for him to move the puck out of the zone right now and to transition from defense to offense. And Wyatt Kalanuck, by the way, folks, did not make his season debut last night versus Calgary. Instead, he was used as a healthy scratch, but I don't see how he's not going to be in the lineup over Gustafson at this point going forward. And I know Derek King said what he just said about Gustafson, but someone please tell me what Eric Gustafson can do that Wyatt Kalanuck can't at this point. The answer is nothing. So I really hope that Kalanuck isn't going to be serving as the seventh defenseman all that often for this team because I really do feel like he can help them not only with his offensive abilities, which no one really has any of that other than Seth Jones, but I think he can also help the team with his capability to to skate the puck up the ice and actually be another guy who can drive possession from the back end other than Seth, than Seth Jones. So defensively, I still think there are uh, plenty of changes and improvements that need to be made if the Blackhawks are hoping to turn this thing around. All right, there are some of my thoughts on the Blackhawks' defensive woes this season and the 5-2 loss to Calgary. Coming up in just a minute, I am going to get into a full recap of last night's loss to wrap up the road trip. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bilt Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Bilt Bar has a ton of awesome classic flavors like coconut, double chocolate, salted caramel, and they now have a couple of new Thanksgiving flavors as well that can help you eat the foods that you want for much fewer calories. Like, have a cherry built bar instead of having a cherry pie, or go have a grasshopper cookie built bar, which is really good if you're a fan of mint. Built Bar also has flavors like cookies and cream, raspberry, my personal favorite, blueberry muffin, and many more flavors, all of which are covered in 100% real chocolate and are soft, easy to chew, and great for the keto diet. Not only are all the bars low calorie and low sugar, but they're also a great source for protein and fiber. So make sure to go to BuiltBar.com today and use the promo code LOCKED15, that's a capital L in LOCKED, then the number 15, to get 15% off your next order. One more time, be sure to check out BuiltBar.com for a delicious and healthy snack option. There are going to be some incredible Black Friday deals coming up this week as well. And be sure to use our exclusive promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into a quick recap of the game last night for segment two now. First, things actually started off a little heated last night with a fight in the opening couple minutes between Kirby Doc and and Blake Coleman. Not two guys I thought were going to scrap in this one, but Dabrinkit was standing up for his good buddy and line mate Alex Dabrinkit after Coleman got him with a nasty hit into the boards. 
good to see Docker stick up for the boys, and Doc actually wound up getting the best of Coleman here in his first NHL fight, kind of throwing some flailing rights. Um, not a whole lot of experience, I'm sure, with Doc dropping the mitts, but love to see the kid have that kind of intensity and, and just the willingness to stick up for his teammates already at such a young age. And it's kind of nice to realize that Kirby, you're, you're a big boy. You're six foot four, uh, 200 pounds. You know, you can throw the rights. So I, I was glad to see him stand up for Debrinket in that instant. And I do also see the side of this where people are saying, you know, Kirby broke his wrist not too long ago. He's throwing crazy rights and he probably shouldn't be fighting. And, and yeah, I do get that, and I I don't I definitely don't think it's something that Kirby should be doing very often throughout his career. But in the heat of the moment, I mean, this is a physical and emotional game. That's just hockey. So I personally have no problem seeing Doc get into that fight early and kind of set the tone there for the boys. And he he went on to have one of his better games of the season so far, even though he didn't put up anything on the stat sheet. Doc was a force to be reckoned with each and every shift last night. And I thought he played a really solid two-way game. He had some good net front presence, was great on the back check. And I think it all started with him setting the tone early on in that fight with Blake Coleman. Sadly, it didn't wind up setting that much of a tone as not too long after the scrap, maybe 30 seconds after or so, uh, Dylan Dubé just kind of wristed a, a shot from beyond the left circle to uh, on net. It kind of just looked like a harmless wrist shot, but Flower somehow wasn't able to corral it, one that he definitely would like to have back. That put Calgary ahead one to nothing early on in this one, uh, but I can't really complain too much about Flower allowing that goal considering how well he played throughout the remainder of last night's contest. And after that, the rest of the first period had a lot of back-and-forth action, which was pretty surprising to me considering that the Flames have played incredible defense this season. They're allowing under two goals per game right now, uh, and they've also already recorded seven shutouts on the year with five of those coming from Jacob Markstrom, who did get the start for Calgary last night. I expected this to be a defensive struggle between these two teams, but the first period, and really all game, honestly, it was pretty back-and-forth. And later on in that first period, after a strong shift by the fourth line, good work down low by both Reese Johnson and Ryan Carpenter, eventually the puck bounced its way over to Brandon Hagel at the left circle, and he absolutely ripped a shot past the glove of Markstrom. A beautiful top corner snipe from Hagel, uh, all created, though, by the hustle and hard work of Ryan Carpenter and Reese Johnson. That was Hagel's sixth goal of the season, his second in as many games, and also his third in the last four as well, dating back to November 7th when he suffered that shoulder injury against the Nashville Predators. So Hagel stays red hot with a beautiful goal, um, but again, it was all really created by the hustle and the, term the determination from Carpenter and Johnson down low, who were grinding hard all night long. A really impressive game from that fourth line last night, which I'll definitely have more on coming up here in just a second. But just a few minutes after Hagel nodded the score, a bad defensive sequence by the Blackhawks. McCabe flubs the puck on a breakout. Connor Murphy also committed a defensive zone turnover. And eventually, Milan Lucic wound up making them pay for their bad decisions. He puts it in the back of the net to give the Flames their lead right back 2-1 to one after 20 minutes. And this was one where 
you know, the supposed shutdown pairing for this team, McCabe and Murphy, they just need to be cleaner with the puck. It's really been a, a problem for them all season, and I've talked about it already, but it just really feels like every defenseman on this team right now is committing entirely too many turnovers in the defensive zone. And when you're going against a shutdown defense like Calgary, uh, those mistakes, you know, simply cannot happen because it's just too hard to go and make up for it offensively on the other end. But fortunately, in the second period, which was by far the Hawks' best of the game overall, just a couple minutes in, uh, Calgary this time were the ones to turn over the puck in their own zone. Markstrom kind of just throws it between his defender's legs and gets caught outside of his net. And Reese Johnson, who else but Reese, was Johnny on the spot to put the puck in the back of the net, tying the score 2-2 two two with his first ever NHL goal. And with a lot of friends and family in attendance, Johnson played his junior hockey for the near, nearby Red Deer Rebels. It was a pretty cool moment to see Johnson put home his first NHL tally in front of all, all those folks that are so special to him. And earlier on in the contest as well, Hagel, or um, Johnson, recorded the secondary assist on Hagel's goal. That was actually his first career NHL point too. So a lot of firsts on the night for Reese Johnson, someone who, you know, I'll admit I've been pretty hard on this season, as have a lot of other Blackhawks fans. But a big game from Reese last night. Uh, it was pretty cool to see him and Hagel score those goals back-to-back. Former teammates up in Red Deer and Andrew Shaw, according to Andrew Shaw, they're actually cousins, which is something I've seen bounced around Twitter once or twice, but I've never really seen it confirmed by any of the big beat writers or anything, so I wasn't sure how true that was. But Andrew Shaw last night confirmed that uh, Reese Johnson and Brandon Hagel are cousins, which is pretty cool. Um, so a big game from Reese. And, and hey, I don't care who it is at this point. Whoever can produce for the bottom six, I will 100% take it. If it has to be Reese Johnson to get them going, I'll take that every day of the week. It was just really nice to see someone other than Brandon Hagel, Patrick Kane, or Alex Dabrinkit have a strong night for the Blackhawks offensively. That fourth line of Johnson, Carpenter, and Kara, I thought, was outstanding from start to finish. And that goal from Johnson um, in a strong push, by the Blackhawks in that middle frame, as I said, their best of the three periods overall. That really set the stage for a big third period, tied 2-2. Two to two. Everything that I had talked about on yesterday's pod, how crucial this game was for the Hawks and everything, but sadly, they just weren't able to get the job done in the third period. And through the first 10 minutes, I thought they actually looked pretty good and, and were playing composed out there. But then... With under six minutes to go, a kind of a fluky goal bounces in off of Seth Jones and goes past Marc-Andre Fleury. Matthew Kachuk's given credit, uh, puts the Flames ahead 3-2 to two late, and after that, against that good Calgary defense, the Hawks weren't able to muster up much, even with Fleury gone for the extra attacker. Calgary goes on to add two empty netters, and just like that, all the hope that had been generated through 40 minutes was gone in the blink of an eye, all due to a bad bounce off Seth Jones. Frustrating. One that I really felt the Blackhawks were going to come away with last night, but they came up short once again and still 
do not have a win against a top-tier opponent so far on the season. All right, there's my recap of the Blackhawks wrapping up their road trip with a loss in Calgary. Coming up in just a minute, I also want to talk about some overall changes that I think need to happen with this Blackhawks team right now. But first, I need to talk to you all about betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And be sure to use our promo code LOCKDOWN, one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL and college football are both starting to close in on the postseason. Per usual, there's also some awesome Thanksgiving football games coming up that I know you want to throw some money down on. The UFC, sadly, is off for the weekend. If you've been riding my picks the last two weeks, Max Holiday, uh, Max Holloway, excuse me, and Ketlin Vieta, they've won both of us some money if you've been following me. And also, most importantly, we're right in the midst of the NBA and the NHL getting back up and running. So for any sport that you want to gamble on, you can get all the latest news, odds, and info with Bet Online. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's also free to sign up. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head on over to the website or you can also use your mobile device to sign up today and be sure to use our exclusive promo code LOCKDOWN. That's one word in all caps to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, getting into segment three now before I let you all go and enjoy the rest of your days. I also want to be sure to talk about a couple of things that I think need to change for this team right now in order to get things going in the right direction. Well, I guess I should say to get things moving in the right direction a little bit quicker than they are right now. First, one thing I keep noticing over and over again out of the Blackhawks this year is that Whenever Patrick Kane is on the ice, immediately everyone defers to him and just tries to move the puck over in his direction as soon as possible. And while, yes, getting Kane touches is never a bad thing, but I also don't think his line mates are doing themselves any favors either by essentially kind of taking themselves out of the play in order to give him a chance with the puck. For example, last night, Kirby Doc, who, who I thought had a spectacular game overall, but the one area I just keep getting frustrated with is his inability to be aggressive with the puck on his stick in the offensive zone. It's almost like he doesn't want to be a goal scorer in this league. There was one instant in the second period, I believe, where um, the Blackhawks were countering in transition after a nice play from Seth Jones. They had a three-on-two coming up the ice, and instead of taking the open shot and, you know, maybe getting a rebound, good things happen when you put the puck on net. Instead of doing that, Doc tried to make the more complicated pass across the ice all the way over to Kane, which didn't wind up connecting, and the Blackhawks ultimately wasted a scoring opportunity. And there was another instance where Doc actually did that same thing later on in the game, except this time he forced it over to Alex to bring it on a three-on-two. Kirby, make yourself a weapon out there, because if you don't, The defense is going to know about it. The defense is going to know that you defer to Patrick Kane every time you touch the puck. And they're not going to give you the respect that you deserve on the ice. And that's 
That's not going to do Patrick Kane any favors either. If anything, that that's actually only going to make his job harder because everyone knows that the offense is running through Kane right now. And I've been thinking about this. I bet a lot of coaches out there going up against the Hawks are saying, look, boys, if you stop 88, we're going to win this game. And that's because no one else is wanting to make themselves a weapon when they're out there on the ice with Kane, except from Alex Dabrinkit, who's made a killing off of that so far in his career. But I just need to see everyone else be as aggressive as Patrick Kane is when they're on the ice with him. Uh, Connor Murphy also was guilty of forcing a pass over to Kane in the offensive zone when I thought he could have just made the easy play and put it on that. Just stop trying to get him the puck each and every time he's on the ice. You got to go and make yourself an option for him to pass it to because like Taves on the power play this season, once he takes the puck to the net down low, once he starts consistently going to that stuff shot, which at this point, I don't know if he's ever going to do that, um, but he should because once he does that, then the defense is going to have to start respecting it. That's going to open up lanes for the bumper roll in the middle and for Patrick Kane to shoot the puck from the right dot and make that cross-seam pass over to Alex Dabrinkit. And the same can be kind of said with Kane's linemates at even strength right now as well. Kirby Doc and the Blackhawks defensemen, they need to take a page out of Alex Dabrinkit's playbook and just shoot the puck. Stop deferring to Patrick Kane and instead try to actually get open or, or try to shoot the puck to keep the defense honest because right now the offense is entirely too predictable for the Blackhawks running through numbers 12 and 88. Another thing that I think needs to be worked on for the Blackhawks is their dump and chase method as a whole. And honestly, I don't think the Blackhawks have been good on the dump and chase for maybe five years now, it feels like. And the reason, one reason I bring this up, not only because I think the Blackhawks continuously struggle on the dump and chase, but the other night, when I was watching the Colorado Avalanche, one thing that I noticed is that every single time they dumped the puck in, their forwards were, boom, skating full speed into that offensive zone to make things happen, to force pressure, force a turnover, and get that puck back. And for the Blackhawks, I feel like aside from their first forward in, I don't know if it's because of that 1-2-2 two, two that they play, which is still odd to me. Even Derek King himself said he's never ran a 1-2-2 two, two before. Um, but I don't know if that's the difference maker here, but the second and third guys in the offensive zone more times than not are not quick enough to go and help out that first man pressure the puck, which in turn winds up leading to a whole lot of one and dones for the Blackhawks. Dump the puck in, one guy goes and chases after it, and the defense makes a couple of nifty passes and is able to skate with it the other way. The Blackhawks need to be playing with the puck more than they are right now, and I think with the way they play the dump and chase at the moment, it's just too easy for them to give to relinquish the puck and not get it back. I don't know if they need to change the one two two, which I know Derek King probably isn't going to do this year, but the Blackhawks just need to have more speed on the forecheck because other than the fourth line last night, Reese Johnson, I thought was fantastic on the forecheck, but other than that. The team just isn't winning enough battles in the offensive zone right now and isn't to generate enough sustained pressure, and I think that's why their offense <laughs> has been ranked near the bottom of the NHL for the entirety of the season. 
Last, I also think that uh, a couple of roster and lineup changes need to happen here real soon. First, I, I really, the more I've thought about this in the last 24 to 48 hours, the more I really think that Philip Kershev needs to go down to the AHL whenever Tyler Johnson returns. Hopefully that'll be once the Blackhawks retur- uh, return home here for Friday's game against the Blues. But Kershev, I just, it's tough for him playing in a fourth line role. And, and I really believe that he could use a confidence boost and just to play in some more offensive situations down in Rockford, especially if he's not going to be consistently in the lineup for the Hawks. And I know um, this was one of the first times he's been scratched this season. It might have even been the first. Don't quote me on that. Um, but he just hasn't been providing enough especially for the type of player that he was last year. I don't think he's been effective as uh, most people thought he was going to be here in a second NHL season. So I don't think Rockford would be the worst idea at all for Kurashev at this point. Um, And Mike Hardman, folks, needs to come out of the lineup. Hardman once again had a pretty quiet night versus Calgary last night, had a team low, nine minutes of ice time. He's averaging barely over 10 a game on the season. And he's only recorded one assist, no goals, one assist on the year, which came way back on November 3rd versus Carolina three weeks ago now. And with the lack of offense coming from the Blackhawks bottom six this year, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know how, and I don't know why Derek King continues to play Mike Hardman. And I'm not a Mike Hardman hater by any stretch of the imagination. I thought he looked really solid in his short stint in the NHL last season down on that fourth line with Mackenzie Whistle. But I don't know why we're already kind of treating him like he's a third liner. He's just not there in his development at this point, I don't think. So I, I just don't understand, even though he's struggling, I don't get why Conting- King continues to play him on a regular basis. There just isn't anything really going on in his game right now, and he's playing damn near the most minimal role imaginable. So for Adam Gaudet to keep not even getting a sniff at cracking the lineup, that I just don't get. We need help offensively. Why isn't Adam Gaudet playing? I don't understand. We need all the help we can get from our bottom six, and Mike Hardman certainly isn't helping in that area right now with his play as of late. All right, folks, I think that will wrap up Wednesday, November 24th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and even Lee Sterling's lock of the day by simply following the Lockdown Bets podcast. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check out Lockdown Bets right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, 
feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until Friday's episode, I'm not going to have an episode tomorrow on Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for all you listeners out there, but go enjoy tomorrow with your friends and family. And thanks again for tuning into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.